0: Entertainment's really important to me because I think if you want to change people's minds or influence feeling or anything, it needs to be entertaining.
1: This podcast touches on sex and race and other things that are a little bit prickly. Um, you're,
0: you're, I don't think you're going to be able to do it. You're, you should be a mother.
1: Right. You
0: should go look after baby orangutans and run a and I'm like, what, what, what picture of you do you have? What picture of me do you have in your mind? Hello,
1: I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with Vera. Hello, Vera. Hello. And, and hello, uh, well, not your cat. Hello, your sister's cat, yes, Ted, Ted, who is also in the room when I'm stroking. <laughs> um, so the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me?
0: I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's because I was supposed to go up and do the free fringe maybe two years ago. Yeah. I don't know if I contacted you or you contacted me. Right, so but we have mutual friends. Yeah,
1: we have mutual friends and also what it was is my show Stand Up Tragedy were putting together a spoken word oh, album yes. to raise money for the free spoken word and you submitted a track yes. um, and then you had to pull out of going to Edinburgh that year but
0: the track remained
1: <clears throat> but the track remained which was very which kind you of you didn't I
0: like <laughs> I know I did like it it wasn't clearly a spoken word track at all because I'd made it with my band so yeah it was a bit of a left field thing to leave on the album as it were but I liked the way we made the song which I didn't discuss with you or you know it wasn't part of the the way it was described but yeah yeah.
1: no I really I really (laughs) enjoyed your track I was very impressed (laughs) and actually from from my point of view you know it was a little bit weird for me to be in charge of doing a spoken word album anyway because I don't really I don't do I don't I have written poetry, I'm familiar with poetry, yeah. but I, I'm not a spoken word artist. I mean, I am, because storytelling is also spoken word, <laughs> but when people think of a spoken word artist, they don't think of me. And so it was kind of an interesting position to be in, and your track actually was one of the more kind of like, oh, it's a music track, I make music, so I kind of like can relate to that more, so um, I really enjoyed that track. I'm
0: really glad we were on that album, because it was raising money for the Free Fringe, right. which is a great thing, isn't it? It allows people to go up and risk and try things and and for audiences to be able to... Oh, hello, (laughs) Ted. For audiences... To risk and try in the same way So that's cool I was glad to be able to support that
1: It was great to have you on You were very kind to say Oh we have to pull out But you can mm. still use the track Which was great Although it's a tricky thing Pulling out of the free fringe I imagine from your side of it, it There's a lot of like Pressure isn't there About like, you sign up And then you have to go And if you're not if you don't <laughs> go You're letting people down And all of that stuff
0: I was mainly afraid Of the wrath of the guy Who runs it uh-huh. Yeah, I thought Well I, what will happen If I apply again But I haven't had the chance To apply to go up again So
1: Yeah well you've left it long enough here, probably, probably, probably he's forgotten I mean I, every time, I, I'm always incurring his wrath anyway and okay. so far he's let me back a few times. Actually. Peter Buckley Hill was on the uh, that year I went up to Edinburgh, yeah. that first year um, I had him on as a guest and a live show which was an interesting experience that people can listen back to if they want to hear <laughs> an interesting conversation where I'm my my thing about with conversations is to connect with people and, yes. and not challenge them and not have conflict. That's one of the few episodes that's gone very much the opposite way wow. um, but that's interesting in itself. Uh, yeah you
0: know? I should check that out.
1: <laughs> so yeah the second question mm-hmm. that I ask everybody is what do you do now?
0: I like the now as a qualifier. <laughs> I am an actress, I'm a writer. On my social media descriptions I say I'm a performance maker but I'm not currently making any performance but it's sort of brewing somewhere
1: in the recesses of my
0: brain but I think that's that's it's enough words to describe me.
1: We know each other through that first connection, but I'm aware yes. of the other things you're doing, some of the acting that you've been doing, and yeah. so, and, and we're Facebook friends, and I, I sort of <laughs> see your opinions. And oh, stuff, which is, you know, yes. and, I, and I'm very much someone who sticks my opinions out there into the world, yeah. so I appreciate people who also do the same, because yes. otherwise you feel like everybody else is talking about their their, their kids and their cats and, yeah. and, and, and their food, which is all great things to talk about, but if, if nobody else is nailing their political colours to the mast or whatever, you feel a little bit alone you know, so it's nice when there's other people doing that well
0: I wonder about people who don't know me very well even some people who you know are my friends who I see fairly often but don't talk about my politics or I don't know my life in detail I think I must come across as some sort of sex crazy <laughs> angry activist but Yeah, someone I know fairly well thinks that I only watch crazy experimental stuff. And I wonder on Twitter whether strangers think I'm a sex worker or something to do with that because I'm constantly posting things about sex and race.
1: Yeah, well, I mean... I I mean I'm similar in this respect like people could very much think that all I think about is sex and politics and 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 those politics do include like race and and gender and all of those things that I'm talking about as well I mean they're
0: not bad things to be associated with no (laughs) no
1: no but you I I guess you will feel this much more than me because Uh we're 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 different races um you'll feel this much more than me like the worry of like being pigeonholed as someone who only talks about yeah. race will be a much more what or gender or whatever it's going to be much more of a, a fear for you whereas with me it's kind of it's a little bit unique someone who is a white middle-class man like mm-hmm. spending all their time just like posting articles attacking white middle-class <laughs> men <laughs> right that's odd and so it's less less likely for me people to 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 sort of pigeonhole me in a negative way right because okay, for you it's yeah, probably yeah. tougher
0: well it's a conflict because I thought about the podcast today and I thought what am I going to talk about am I going to bang on about sex and race right and then I th- <sighs> it's so people who know me or pe- my friends are people I want around me and so we kind of have the same politics anyway yeah. so I don't need to preach to them not that I want to preach to anybody I suppose what I'm saying is when I find myself talking about race and sex and politics, I think, oh, no, I'm, there I am again, going on about the same things. But then it depends on who my audience is. And, you know, I censor myself because I don't like conflict.
1: Right. And
0: I'm not used to speaking out because I'm just not. I mean, I am just... I find it I'm so socially awkward (laughs) and then then, but when I find people who are who are strangers who are not my tribe or suddenly in a situation where I feel that I ought to stand up for what I believe in it's so difficult to say something and then I start saying something and then I censor myself because I think oh no I'm saying the same things again but they haven't heard it out of my mouth or maybe out of anybody's mouth so I just tie myself to knots and then normally I run away. (laughs) So, very unhelpful. I'm hopefully going to get better at this.
1: But but I think, you know, that's a, a really relatable way of feeling like like regardless like I think it's it must be harder for you in, in many ways to speak out in, about, about these things because you, there's there's risks of, yeah. of, of kind of people you know blacklisting you or whatever like not like, not not as literally as that, but going like oh she's she's, well, a, she's a firebrand she, we don't want we don't, yeah, want, don't someone want to work there. with her
0: yeah. or she must be angry all the time or but just basic basic i mean i don't the basic thing is likability. right and that I think in the short term, it does it does help you get jobs to a certain extent. Do, who do we want to work with? We want to work with people we get on with. Right. But then, in the long term, I'm so interested. I'm so much more rewarded and nourished by creative relationships or you know friendships that are based on. Something more substantial and deeper, like you know we can challenge each other and talk about things, and yeah, but with the the longer term relationships, likability, I mean yes, we end up we do like each other, but it's sort of a, a deeper thing,
1: more challenging, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean it's interesting to hear from a a guest that you're sort of like weighing up all of these things. Shall I talk about these things? Shall I not? Mm. I mean, that's, that's absolutely the process I go through generally when I, (laughs) when I go into these conversations, particularly with people where like there are things about their identity that, that are part of them. And this shows about people. And so I want to like that to reflect who people are, but also I don't want to define them by those aspects of their identity. So I don't want to just talk to women who make comedy about what it's like making comedy as a woman like that. they're so sick of that question but at the same time I also don't want to take away a potential space for them to say what they might want to say about for example I mean you know and that goes across all different things and so sometimes it's interesting I have a conversation with someone and those things aren't touched on and so people might not know what race they are what sexuality they are and that's interesting in itself like taking that out of context
0: yes I would say to you ask me ask me all the questions you want (laughs) Because I will probably just rabbit it on, <laughs> given the chance.
1: Well, that's great. I like rabbiting on. I, that's what this show's all about, so yeah. that's that's good. So the reason I was saying I, I knew some bits about you is yeah. that I, obviously we don't know each other that well. No. I think this is the first time we've properly had a conversation.
0: It's, yes, because yeah. I was at a stand-up you were at tragedy. tragedy. And
1: so we had those kind of conversations where you... Where
0: well, you're busy at organising yeah. the evening, and I'm kind of there going... I shouldn't get in his way. Right. And it's not a space to have a conversation. No. So we've never had a one-on-one conversation.
1: No, no. and, you know, we've got mutual friends. Yes. Um, and so that yes. bodes well for this for this uh acquaintance. She, Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Big uh, fan.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, but on the way here, because I don't know you that well, I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just... Uh, google Google' her oh, to, to see what, <laughs> okay to yes. see what's going on and then, yes. and, uh, you know, and unlike most of my guests, you know you have a Wikipedia entry yeah. and it's all there <laughs> and it's like very detailed yes. um, and so now i'm almost like I know too much about you i'm too, I'm, I'm almost too in awe of you. you've you got like your credits are so impressive no. um, but, we were, <laughs> but yeah um, so I guess so you, you you're an actor you're a writer and yes. you're a performer in general, right, not yes. just specifically acting. No, because you do, and I,
0: I make performance. Or right. even in, I would say that my writing is performative. People assume that I write plays, which isn't true. Right. But yes, I think performance, a presentation of hmm, let's not <laughs> a presentation of. I was going to say self. I'm I'm going to sound like a wanker now. Let's just stop there. So <laughs> <laughs> let's end that's sentence abruptly. Well, you speak.
1: Okay. Um, so, <laughs> Sorry, i going w- to be a bugger edit. It. <laughs> no, I mean, Social anxiety is something I relate to, and I think yes. people need to talk about and be more aware I'm of in I'm very general, socially so cool. anxious,
0: and I think that I love being with my friends who I don't get to see very often. And when I'm with them, it's so clear why I'm friends with them, because I don't feel... I feel that we can ask all the really odd, seemingly odd questions or the awkward questions and that there's very little judgment going on or, like, before judgment is always curiosity. And, yes, so when I'm with, like, general public in, like, confined social situations, I I get a lot of anxiety and I I worry about what aspect of myself to present. I mean, this is not always at the forefront of my mind, but because of my career as an actress I think oh no what's my brand I'm the product what does that mean when do I switch off if I go in somewhere that someone might recognize me do I need to look like this version of me it's just and I think oh so I'm not sure that's
1: yeah, I mean Healthy. when when you're acting as well, you're you're defining you're you're taking on a different role, mm. and and or even if you're performing, even because I do stuff about yes. myself, but yes. even standing up on stage and being myself yeah. is a very different thing from being it's curated, myself. You know? in right. yeah. curated, yeah.
0: It's curated. Yeah,
1: and also they can't speak back. Like it it is a, <laughs> it is a conversation. Like yes. I'm connecting with the audience, but yeah. nobody can interrupt me. I get to. I get to stumble about and be awkward or whatever. That's kind of my persona on stage. Yeah. But even then, even though I'm being awkward, I'm being awkward on a stage. Like, So it's very different from in a conversation. Like, I'm much better uh, on a stage than I am in a conversation generally, although mm. I kind of make a living from conversations too. So, well, not a living, but I do them <laughs> regularly. <laughs>
0: yeah, but I also think... I mean, I'm much better one-on-one than in yeah. groups because at least you can kind of take your space or you can fine grounding in the listening Mm. whereas in a group that's just too many things going on yeah
1: i mean one-on-one is definitely my favorite uh, kind of way of interacting with people just because you can get so much deeper as well yeah like i'm not very interested in small talk and stuff like that so no it kind of
0: sometimes makes me want to just (laughs) die small talk
1: (laughs) yeah me too when did you get interested in performing
0: at school and i grew up in malaysia and in when i was a child uh up to the point where i left it was a general thing where if you were smart you would do science subjects if you were and then if you weren't so smart you would do art subjects so i was always at school and doing science and so there was no drama classes or anything like that in a normal school but we had this lesson called moral or yeah it's called moral which meant we learned we studied how to be good so you'd have multiple choice questions like, if you walking down the street and saw a wallet, would you A, B, C? And then sort of occasionally we would have activities like, act out this scene. So we would have to break off into little groups and make little sketches. So that's my first experience of performing. There were things like debate clubs. I mean, this is like an ex-colony, right? Malaysia. <laughs> so we had things like public speaking and debate clubs. So I did that kind of thing. I was never really... We never put on plays. It wasn't... It never occurred to me, I didn't know any actors. I don't think there was any theatre happening in the capital city, not that I knew of, until I was maybe in my teens. So, yeah, didn't really think about anything like this. Got to England um, to do A-levels, and there were these Lambda drama exams. I think I was I was quite lonely at, at boarding school. It was a big shock. I thought it would be Enid Blyton and Midnight Feast and things, and it wasn't. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a small village in the middle of nowhere. And well, you came
1: in quite late, right? You arrived in the school, not at the beginning of the boarding school, or did um, you go all the way
0: through? It was just sixth form. Right. So, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, you very didn't have late. any
1: context for the people you were studying exactly.
0: with. So I guess I must have just thought, what can I do? So I signed up, and she thought I didn't speak English because I was so painfully <laughs> quiet. But anyway, I did those and still didn't think anything like, oh, I want to be an actor. And I went to... to oxford which is one of the places where you think if someone was interested in performing they would sort of just perform all the time because the opportunity is there but i <laughs> did not i kind <laughs> of i just sort of like basically the point is it took me a long time before i realized that acting was something that i couldn't not do which is a phrase that i notice you've used in relation to what you do it was five years after university after leaving university when i pretty much had given up on trying to find out what I wanted to do in life a friend had said hey i finally got a job as a trainee auditor they're not choosy do you want to train i thought i'm going to i'm going to train as an auditor even though i have no qualifications whatsoever i don't really i didn't do maths this will be an experiment because I'd avoided it. I'd avoided any sort of graduate training program, any sort of thing to do with finance, respectability, nothing. <laughs> I just refused to be a professional, at anything. <laughs> and because I t- took up that job, I used to walk past a drama school as part of my training to be an accountant. And, and I felt I was at a stage of my life where I wanted to be more interesting. And I went and signed up for a summer school. And then all hell broke loose. <laughs> so that was a very long answer.
1: No, well, a long answers <laughs> a, a, are ideal for long-form podcasts. <laughs>
0: so it was very unexpected. I did the summer school. They didn't offer me a place. I was angry. <laughs> I auditioned. And I got in and I think about a couple of weeks later I was a drama school student. I quit my job, everything. It was really quick.
1: When do you remember enjoying performing? Um... Like when's the first a well, couple of times.
0: I must have enjoyed some bits of performing when I was at school. At Oxford when I the few times I mean let's so I think I think people who are actors who come out of that system where you have several plays Every night being produced at university, I did maybe eight in three four years. I didn't really enjoy performing at Oxford because I was always given the role of narrator, you know, like not a fully fleshed character, person a person who's other, a person on the sidelines, a person who doesn't really speak. <laughs> I found it difficult fitting in with the people. In retrospect, obviously, I was just possibly with the wrong the wrong groups. Because, obviously, there were nice people making performance in that city. I just hadn't met them. And I think that's something that's hopeful to remember. Like, the particular situation you're in might be quite lonely making, but you just go, no, stop. I can find maybe people like me else outside this pond.
1: Right, if you're not enjoying the people you're with, there yes. are other people. It is it's hard. It's really hard to remember yes, that, right? Yes,
0: because it becomes your immediate world. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't pinpoint the moment—a moment when I thought I really love performing. Well,
1: you don't have to, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is part of the thing, you know. Trying yeah. to make narratives of people's lives—they're mm-hmm. not lives aren't really very narrative in lots of ways, yeah. and so, you know there isn't always going to be the one moment. No. There's going to be lots of tiny little moments that you hardly really notice that build up into yeah. something much stronger and bigger and, and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: I definitely know that when I was at that summer school and they didn't offer me a place. The, well, the system being if you stood out, they would offer you a place on their training. And everybody was saying, oh, you'll definitely get offered a place. And I did it, And I spoke to a teacher. I said, why? And he said, you're really good, but we just think... And I'm simplifying. Yeah, we we think you're, but you're basically you're too weak as a person. <laughs> that obviously <laughs> pressed all of my buttons because people have said that to me before, like, um oh, you, you, I don't think you're going to be able to do it. You, you should be a mother.
1: Right?
0: You should go to Gaza." Baby orangutans and run a B and B. I'm like, what, what, what <laughs> picture of you do you have? What picture of me do you have in your mind? It's sort of. So that's another thing. I find that people have interesting ideas about what I'm like.
1: And why do you think that is? I mean, why do you think they have those ideas about you?
0: I'm not sure. I think that I always look different. It's such a seems like such a simple thing, but I look different depending on what I'm doing, my hair, or makeup, or clothes. I sound different depending on who I'm talking to. I used to dumb myself down a lot more because I wanted to fit in. And now I feel like I am, have made myself slightly stupid, uh, you know, more stupid than I actually am. I can't, you know, yes, because I, I don't... I, I do believe that, you know, you dumb yourself down and then you don't feel you've got a place anymore when you want to actually assert yourself, reassert yourself it might be to do with the race thing as well being small and female and like chinese but an artist i was doing a workshop with she pointed out about me she said wow people really project onto you (laughs) i thought how interesting that you've noticed that because you know i'm quite i think about myself a lot because of the nature of my work and it's you know it's is quite, I am quite self-obsessed, we, in a necessary way. You have
1: to be, I think, if you're a performer in general, but particularly And if, if you're, you're making a, material. Uh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, you're making material from yourself. Right? Yes. And you're also then, you're having to think about how you present yourself in terms of auditions as well, like how you define yeah. yourself and like... Yeah.
0: And what resources, right. you know, you, you're yourself is a resource, so you need to... It makes sense to use yourself, so you need to think about what's right. interesting about you or what, where you're weaker, stronger, etc. So yes, I think about myself a lot. But it was really gratifying that someone else pointed out, and she's an artist I admire, and she said, yeah, people project. Yes, so I felt that I wasn't making it up.
1: <laughs> right. And so what did you study at Oxford?
0: Ah. Uh, I always like to say the long answer, which is I started off doing human sciences, which is a fantastic degree. I think anyone who doesn't know whether they want to do art subjects or science subjects, human sciences looks at human beings, and basically there's 10 subjects in the first year, and you do hardcore science like genetics, physiology, evolutionary science, and etc., and then anthropology, sociology, demography, so you really look at human beings and humanity and wow. and culture... Uh, and it's, oh, I think it's great. So I did a year of that, but then I freaked out. I thought I was stupid, and even though my grades were like, no, you're not stupid. I, I just thought I can't, I can't deal with this. I grew up in a very sheltered way, and Malaysia was at the time much more homogenous. And then boarding school was very, very sheltered. And then so Oxford was my first exposure to. <laughs> I don't know, lots of other people with different perspectives and everyone was super bright. So I panicked and I dropped it and I thought, hey, I've been doing really well in anthropology. I'll choose this easy degree called archaeology and anthropology. I know nothing about archaeology. I know nothing about history. And it was a very old school degree and the two schools didn't communicate, whereas with human science, everything was tied in so you could look at anything from a multidisciplinary point of view. So yeah, so I came up with a degree in archaeology and anthropology, and it was a pretty rubbish degree, and I didn't learn very much, and I don't know anything, <laughs> <laughs> and I, nearly dro- I I think I nearly dropped out of university, I don't know, what would, I don't know if I would have let myself, but I felt, you know, as a, I felt really adolescent, and that I couldn't finish, that I didn't know how to do, I didn't know how to get through it, but yeah. But you did. I did, I did.
1: (laughs) You still don't seem convinced, but you did. No, I
0: I don't tend to make things difficult for myself on purpose. No, that's not true at all. (laughs) I've just re-enrolled at university, and that's definitely making my life more difficult. Sometimes I definitely pick something that makes me afraid, and I do it. Just... Just because I know I'm afraid because I'm afraid of stretching myself, oh yeah
1: if if, if I'm afraid of an idea, I know it's a good one, yeah, that's the thing, yeah, I mean and then i'm then then you know when I've committed to that idea, I'm like, what am I doing? Why yeah. am I doing that but yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly you've got two strands to your performance, and you're an actor, but you've also make stuff yourself, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and at the moment you're doing. Very well. I, I as as far as these things go, I know. At <laughs> any time, anyone says you're doing well, it always makes like me go, what, 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 what? But yeah. you're doing very well in acting, kind um, of. And so you kind of put the other performance on the shelf, but you're saying that you've got it bubbling away on the shelf to come back. So, mm-hmm. which of those two things did you? So you you went to an act. You did. You went to an acting school. Yes. When did you start doing your own performance work based on your own stuff?
0: So I went to drama school. Then I started a theatre company, but that's not making my own work. That was, you know, just producing fairly traditional theatre. Then I started platforming Adrian. I built up evenings around him as Samantha. Samantha. Mann. Mann. I still wasn't performing. I don't. But I think, gosh, at some point, I went to see an artist advisor at Arts Admin, which is a fantastic organisation. I don't know. Why I went there, but it was basically it's at, maybe in 2011 I, I fell in with an amazing 2010 I fell in an amazing bunch of people based around People Show Studios that was in Bethnal Green and this was a kind of set of performance makers I would never encountered. I just knew about theatre straight up theatre. Bear in mind I grew up knowing no performance makers, no artists, nothing, and. Because there was a physical building where people were hiring studios and rehearsing, and it was, a very, it was a social hub, which I really believe in. I think people meeting and not even discussing what they're working, but just being in the same space, it's this really sort of active, positive environment to be in. So I I was just renting a room because I wanted to rehearse there and per- make this traditional piece of theatre. So I met a whole bunch of performance makers, and I know a lot of traditional theatre people go, "What's a performance maker? Why isn't it, why is why why don't they call themselves a director or uh, a divisor? Because but that's it's different. I think if you make a performance, it covers so much more. Mm-hmm. I think definitely. But yeah, so it's very slowly I. I have also the problem of if someone's doing something, I'm like, I want to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> so with Adrian, when I re-met him, because I met him for the first time at university and then I lost touch and I saw him again, I, when I saw him before him, I thought, my goodness, who is this person who's just, I've never seen anyone move or speak like that because his training, he trained in France and right, it's he did. It, you can see it. He moves differently. It's so precise and so full of light. You yep. don't get anyone like that in this country unless it's sort of heaven sent or something.
1: Well, sometimes it feels like you don't get anyone like that at all. Like I, I, I can mm. like, watch Adrian for app, for app, for app. Yeah. like He's a very he's unique He's so remarkable,
0: yes. So he, because of his training in France and his exposure to people in Europe, you know, where they do treat art differently, their relationship to culture is more everyday, it's more integrated self-expression is sort of (laughs) so natural I kind of followed in his footsteps a little bit and went to the teachers he went to. So it's just me seeing more performance makers. And my point is that if people are doing things, I kind of tend to want to copy them a little bit. And sometimes I run a bit. I try too hard to be like other people. And after falling down a few times, I find out what it is I actually want to do. So that was my foray into performance making. But I cannot tell you when I started. I think when I met people through Arts Admin, I did some workshops with Stacy Makishi, um that was very key in my performance making uh Brianne Kimings um wow. started me off with my uh, make, making my first show which was never fully realized but it turned into something else which I really love so yeah I met a lot of really good people. It's like fast tracked into yeah. the world of performance making. Greg Woehead as well. He's interesting. So we were we were all hanging out.
1: And that must have been really. I mean, that sounds really exciting. It, it is I've, the times in my life when I've been meeting lots of creative people. I guess that's mm. the last few years to a certain extent for me. It's yeah. it's like. It's very it's so exciting to suddenly like meet people who like m- stimulate your mind in in these new ways that you didn't really know were there. That's...
0: Yeah, exactly. And that there's a value in sort of exploring certain ideas. Or yeah, and I I liked the whole process because it's very organic. You know, you can step back and go, OK, And if I want to be an award-winning performer, I need to go to Australia and do the Finn circuit. I need to do this. I need to make friends with these. You could do it that in that calculated way. I'm glad that I am tired enough <laughs> and old enough to go, I don't want to do things in that way because the things I want are different and it's fine. And yeah. That's like a major step for me because I'm always wanting to. I've grown up really late, but that's also kind of okay.
1: That's absolutely fine. Right. I don't know if anyone ever kind of finishes growing up. Like this idea, like this idea that we're told when we're young, like the adults are like adults. Yeah. When when you get to be an adult, you realise that none of us know what we're doing. Yeah, we're all true. But terrifying. then,
0: like in both <laughs> strands, like so in the commercial acting world, like loads of people like drama school. You go to the right ones and right. then you get the right agent and then you're on TV. Right, there's the part. Movie, there's the that part. You're and it's young. Yeah. You have to be, or like, it's sexier if you're young. And a lot of artist schemes are for young people. And it's not, I'm not, I don't object, but I'm so interested. I tend to work with all the people I've platformed or worked with have been people who've come to art or self expression having already pursued other things. And then they bring so much more and they're so much more interesting. But yes. There's fewer funding opportunities. People, you know, in the back of your mind, people go, hmm, why haven't they made it already? And just go, well, they've just started it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I'd forgotten that you started a, a theatre company first. That was one of the things I found out on Wikipedia oh. when I was coming, <laughs> coming here. I started a theatre company in university, but then kind of finished it at the end of university. Or it, it continued without me, but I, 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 it, 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 it became a new thing which didn't involve me. Which was slightly, slightly surprising, as we had this kind of meeting and we we decided to disband it. But then the other two parts of the (laughs) the company carried on working together. Um, It it was a surprise that that happened. I think it was the right the right thing. I don't think I would have at that time in my life. I don't think I would have wanted to make the kind of theatre they were making. Yeah. Really, what it was is that the theatre company was three people with three different artistic directions that they would have taken that company mm-hmm. and I left and yes. the other two one of them decided to follow the other person's direction yeah. so I didn't want to go in that direction but it was a bit like hang on they're making art and I'm working <laughs> in a library uh, but yeah. I really
0: like what you said in your podcast about you know when you start something and it and it carries on without you or right. it you know so it's not exactly the same yeah. thing but like something that you're a part of is still growing and yes, you know, I have an e- I have a massive ego. And I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. And I used to get so much more upset about leaving a legacy or, like, being acknowledged as having started something. And you have to, you know, uh, people who've carried it on must. They should be grateful and all that kind of thing. And then I stamp my yeah. little feet. And, but, you know, at the end of the day... It's good that's happening. I
1: hope, I've, I hope I've also developed in that kind yeah. of way too. And actually that, that theatre company went on and made some great stuff and I really enjoyed the things that they made. Oh, and then cool. they've also, they've sort of stopped and, and done different things now. But the, the interesting thing is that these relationships that you, collaborative relationships that you have, even when that project ends, yeah. the collaboration doesn't end, the friendships don't end. And so now yeah. I'm working, you know, I, I still work with some of the people, you know, who I, who I knew in that, in that company then. Yeah. Uh, and... You know, and it's so surprising. Like one of the people who we we took a show up to Edinburgh with that company, and one of the people in that who was a dancer and actor at the time uh, is now doing amazing spoken word stuff. (laughs) And like I've I've like met her again through through doing stand up tragedy, and been like, you know, this is this is so amazing to see this person like, be doing this thing that I guess now I look back, I can see how the roots of that were there at the time. Yeah. But it it wasn't how I associated her. Like, and so it's so amazing to see people, like, become new things. Yes. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. But, yeah, so the theatre company you set up was doing kind of traditional th- theatre-type pieces, you were saying.
0: Kind of. I would say that it wasn't... Um... No, it, it wasn't as if we went, oh, let's do an Ibsen or a Chekhov. We, we did one large, I would say, one large scale play, which is a world premiere by Peter Morris, and he's like a quite a out there writer right. essentially I mean I like summarizing this but it's <laughs> as like you know a, a really dark tale about a giant killer vagina I mean like that's not traditional theater at all but it was traditional in the sense that there were actors there was a script we cast it and we rehearsed it and we put it on what I really loved about it was that we we played a lot with what performance what what plays can do and there's lots of, sort of social awareness stuff so we reworked Wallace Shawn's The Fever which is really a 90 minute monologue but then we split it into a a cast of six and we set it in different places and it was you know interactive we had lots of artist development workshops we it was it was very artist focused so yeah it was about Building networks, connecting people, sharing skills like international skills as well. So again, my world was so changed when I met Adrian. So I met a Polish performance maker, actor called Christian Godlewski, <laughs> and he's Polish and he brought in a whole bunch of skills and we shared that and so uh, and then working a lot with clowns and things like that. So and then we we were producing Adrian's Samantha Man. Supper clubs and things like that, and platforming lots of new artists from musicians. And yeah, so it wasn't theatre and the sort of. Like
1: quite cabaret like element to some of what I've heard of in
0: done. in that though it was always short and entertaining entertainment's really important to me because I think if you want to change people's minds or influence feeling or anything it needs to be entertaining not that I don't like dark material at all I mean
1: that's an end but that is entertaining yeah exactly. like people don't like when, because I have that problem a lot of the time yeah. people are like tragedy oh why am I going to want to be invo- interested exactly. in that and, and we are entertained by being sad that's that's one of the things that is entertaining yeah.
0: about art I love, I love the format of Stand Up Tragedy and it's like it it doesn't debilitate the audience it inspires them because you hear the stories and you sort of share the experience and you identify whereas I know theatre makers who, who lo- I mean I was at this horrible party, after show party where people were going, well, wasn't it so great when we did this show and then everybody could, they couldn't even drink after the show they were so upset I'm like if you debilitate the audience that way, and one, I don't, I really object to them being smug about it. Mm. And two, like, how does how how does that make the world better? You haven't made it more beautiful. You haven't inspired people to to object about the horrible things in the world. I mean, yes, there's lots of bad things you can depict on stage and go, it's anti-war or we don't like rape or whatever, you know. But don't don't just. If you make it so hopeless, mm. then you're just... Then I really object.
1: Right, right. No, does that I, make sense? I really... Well, it does definitely. It resonates very much with me. Like my, The solo show that I, I've got at the moment uh, goes into a lot of very dark places. But yeah. it's very important to me to take people... To be responsible with the audience, to take them through yeah. that very... Like, to, to, I think you need to have, like... Pre-K, like I've got a content note and stuff like yes, that, but also you're very good
0: with content. Like at notes. the end of it yeah. as
1: well, you've got to have aftercare. You've yeah. got to make sure that the audience like i mean cameron moore who's a performer who i really really yeah. uh, admire and uh, love her stuff she doesn't have content notes but she instead afterwards says if you've been like if you're upset now i'm going to be outside we can talk talk it through together we can talk it through like mm-hmm. so you've got to have some kind of sense of like care for the audience i don't like the idea of people being like right let's just let's just really fuck up the the audience and see yeah. how, like, how messed up they are at the end like
0: That's mean, life does that me? anyway yes. like
1: art should do something more than that like
0: art should like expand and inspire and yeah and not just go you I hate a God, artists who hate their audiences right like what What is the
1: point of that it is a strange it is a strange combination unless yes
0: unless they are examining their hatred of audience you know but if they're just going come into this room so that I can tell you I hate you (laughs) it's just Right, I don't. I don't think they should be censored, but I wouldn't. I don't like that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean that's often my 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 end point on on anything, isn't it? It's like you know I wouldn't censor anything, but that doesn't mean that I like loads of the mm. stuff that's out there. It's, it's all pretty terrible. Yeah. I mean not not everything, but there's a lot of terrible stuff. Oh, yeah. out there. yeah, yeah. And and so I mean, so you so you made performance for yourself, and you produce stuff, yes. how, how about like the other strand of your performance, which I guess is what you're focusing on mostly now, like acting for other people in other people's productions, when did that happen?
0: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you mean, when did that happen? I
1: don't know. I ask these open <laughs> questions in the hope that they will, like...
0: I suppose I went it,
1: quite... <laughs> I did someone. go
0: to a traditional drama school, but I trained traditionally at a drama school and i was lucky enough to get an agent and i worked straight away so in you a were kind doing of, that
1: first or at, yeah, that at was the same f- time that from was the start. first thing okay
0: and be- because i think we hit the financial crisis then i started producing my own plays and then i met interesting artist people and then i started moving into making performance which was not the
1: ah, That's interesting. So that's the
0: order in which I did.
1: Right. Things. So in a way, making your own performance was like a strategy for like, oh, things aren't yeah. working with the other yes. thing, and then when you put yourself into that new strategy and did, did work for yes. yourself, somehow during that time, other opportunities kind of came in the other side, and then yeah. you moved back across. And so,
0: I mean, I the see. way I've come to writing as well was totally by chance because of Adrian and I was platforming artists alongside him and when he had to go away and work elsewhere I had so enjoyed organizing these events and bringing people together that I thought what else can I do so I started this thing called the Brotigan book club which used a a novel by Richard Brotigan each month as a jumping off point for creative expression that sounds really uh glib, that is something... <laughs> but that's that's essentially what it was. So we had people... We would say, you know, if you read the book and you've baked a cake, bring the cake. If you want to sing a song, sing... You know, we didn't sit around talking about the book. It was just loosely... Yeah, it was inspired by the book. And what I liked about that was that people didn't necessarily... They mostly didn't identify as being artists. They were just people who liked Richard Bortigan and... Felt that because they were given a provocation, they could express something. Uh, So it was very loose, and and I met loads of writers through that. And then I don't know, yeah. And so I just thought I met a lot of writers who who loved his books, who love his books. And then I did a course in making stuff, and then suddenly I found myself doing a masters in writing. So you know. I, I really, and I don't think the different parts of my life are separate. I, and, and actually, right. I think a lot of what I do is very informed by the fact that I studied anthropology.
1: Right. I mean, I'm a big believer in that. Like that, I, I I do lots of things, and yeah. I don't think of them as separate. Like, people, I have to separate them to talk about them. Yeah. And, and I understand why sometimes I'm focusing more on one or more on another. But yeah. they, they all influence each other and, 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 and things you learn in one place you bring to another place that's the thing yeah
0: but and do you find that people prefer to pigeonhole and also when you're marketing any product if you go oh I'm a chef they're like well what? where have you been chefing for the last six years you're like well no actually I've been doing I've been writing about right. chef you know and then so sometimes I think oh god you, I haven't been writing essays but I'm going to be writing an essay soon. And will people take my essay seriously if I haven't got, yeah, six, <laughs> ten years' worth of published essays? I, that's... I should stop worrying about it. <laughs> um, because I know that there is a coherence and consistency. But I think it's a problem in terms of marketing.
1: But you do... I mean, you blog anyway, right? And you, yes. That's kind of essays. I mean, you've and you've kind written of. stuff. I mean, all of those skills come together... Like, if you've, if you've worked in one form, I yeah. think it's much easier to pick up other forms quite often. Like
0: Yeah, you know. I think so. But, like, people go, well, yeah, what do you write? And I don't write any particular form. Right. And so then they go, you're not really a writer. Are you just, like, a hobbyist? I did not even say this out loud to my face. But it took me ages. It took me a long time to call myself an actor. Because if... I don't know, shame, or it's embarrassing, or... And then now, it took me... Well, yes, it took me a much shorter time to say I'm a writer, because I am, I am a writer. So it's not about churning stuff out all the time. It's about writing what I want to write when I want to write it.
1: Mm-hmm. We have the, all of these kind of voices that aren't our mm-hmm. own talking to us like you should write every day, you should yeah. do this thing. and all of these strategies that work really well for other people and that's great yeah. and, and when you hear them in a in a more like contemplative way you can go oh I, maybe I can draw from some of that, maybe I can yeah. learn from those yeah, experiences but when they're in your head like <laughs> saying this is what a proper writer is and you're not doing that so yeah. you can't be a writer, that's the most annoying and I, I don't know any writers who don't have those voices in their head that are telling them that they're not a proper writer as well as telling them that they are a writer you know it's
0: Hmm. interesting i mean yeah i'm (laughs) i'm but i am really guilty of you know when people when other people i know go well i'm a poet i'm like no god i just i'm so judging. i'm like god you called those poems i'm like whoa rein it in you know who am i it's fine like we were just working to make stuff and we need to make stuff in order to make better stuff so
1: if you don't make mistakes then you you don't make successes that's true that's something that doing Tragedy tragedies taught me as well like there's been so many like there's been performers who I've had and I've been like, I'm not that impressed. And then like a year later, I'll be like, wow, that's really amazing. They've yes. worked that, that piece and they've, they've, they've developed it. That, that's really taught me some stuff about the, the instantaneous judgments that you can make <laughs> and how I yes. shouldn't make them, particularly as a producer. If I want to produce yeah. work, I have to, I have to look for the gems of where they will be. Rather yeah. than rather than you know where they are at that moment. Exactly.
0: You know. So long term thinking. But
1: you do do like you know if you if if people look up your Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. they'll see that you know like you you do a lot of theatre work. That's yeah. kind of like you know you could say, I don't know, shiny, shiny, yeah, <laughs> uh, up there like impressive credits, right? Uh-huh. And but also you've got that's yeah, you just on
0: paper. Remember that anything on paper <laughs> looks better. But you know I'm not. I definitely acknowledge the fact that I would never have imagined doing the jobs. It's sort of like, yeah, dream come true jobs on paper. And I do hold myself back. I remember when I was doing Chimerica, I allowed myself maybe two days to be like totally wanky and pretentious about it. And then, then I went entirely the other way i don't think i allowed myself to enjoy it as much because i'm like must not be pretentious or big-headed because it's all so much to do with luck and i'm in the right place at the right time and yes you know some skill and hard work but just don't be an idiot
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a sensible approach to take to a certain extent. Like, th- there is an element of luck in everything, and it's always important to remember yeah. that. But at the same time, it won't just be luck. No, it's gonna it won't be just skill. Be luck. It's going to be talent and hard work.
0: Yeah,
1: you know. And we don't. I, I know I'm terrible at this. I'm terrible at. I'm. I'm trying to be better at acknowledging that I have. I put the work in, and, <laughs> uh, and acknowledging that I that I have some talent, right? And uh, yeah. I'm even. I shouldn't really qualify it with the sum, but I feel. Complicated without that sum. (laughs) Yes,
0: it is. It is very difficult because I've been thinking a lot about assertiveness and aspirational behavior because I don't feel fully English because I'm not. I grew up in Malaysia. It used to be a third world country. It always looked towards Britain as a better place, and and my family was, for sure. Yeah, yeah. My parents were working class. I suppose, I mean the class system there is complete, we don't really have a class system there it's based along race, racial lines and money. On one hand like my accent when I came over was ultra English and it's it's not anymore my idea of what's right is sort of old school English that kind of Gentleman's values and honor and that kind of stuff, queuing right. you, you know,
1: right. which is
0: really old-fashioned now. But I would say that's like a certain kind of Englishness,
1: mm-hmm, definitely.
0: But I have this affinity for an American-style American dream thing, where if you put in the hard work, you'll be able to achieve stuff. Or you need to dream big and go for it, and you'll achieve stuff. And now these, the Englishness and what I would say, Lucy, an American aspirational quality, they really don't sit well together. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what to do about that because I'm not American, I'm not English. When I was in France, my English friend there was like, oh my God, you're so English, you're so polite and so held. And I was studying there, I was studying performance there. And my French teacher was trying to shake it out of me because it was getting in the way of me being free and performing and exp- and being myself. I was just too polite as a performer. And then this Chinese woman from Malaysia turned up and she was not polite at all as a performer, as a person. She was very free and she was quite sort of beastly and monstrous and absolutely delightful. And it'd be wrong to want to be like her, but it really helps me to think, yes, I'm not English. And I'm not quite Malaysian, but, and so I need to. This is, you know, I need to sort of embrace all of these aspects of me.
1: The complexity of all of that, having all of these different yes. identities or senses of things, yeah. like that adds to that. That that is also a strength, as well as it's confusing and makes you feel like you don't fit in. It's also something that means you've got all of these things you can draw on, right?
0: I like to think so, but when if we <laughs> kind of combine it with the whole what people project onto me, right? Not many people know what kind of country Malaysia is. I think having grown up in Malaysia, that's a really big part of the way I move through the world. So I suppose if a person, like in my job, if people look at me, they look, oh, she looks Chinese probably. And the roles out there are quite stereotypical. So like Chinese women or yellow women, you know, all the yellow-skinned races... The stereotype is either sex object or victim or, like, vamp. But, yes, yeah, so it's always to do with some form of domination. So either dominated or domineering. Right. But it's to do with sex. Yeah. And then, like, I don't speak any Chinese dialects. I don't do kung fu. I don't really have a classical Chinese look, but obviously I'm Chinese. And the other attributes you as, um, ascribe are sort of meek or subservient, or gentle, or I—I <laughs> don't identify. And often, when when I have done the really great plays which have touched on Chinese history or Chinese culture, people ask me about China, and I'm like, I have no idea. Or my 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 colleagues have no idea. We, they grew up in England, and I grew up in Malaysia, and we're actors, and the whole thing about having to represent a whole different culture. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, women have that w- without race. Like, mm-hmm. the yeah. women are always having to worry about, like, are they representing all women? Like, yeah, all the time. It's
0: really difficult. Um,
1: yeah. <sighs> and so, if you're adding all of these other things across that, then it becomes more and more complicated, I guess, in terms of yeah. the responsibility and and the straitjacket, I guess, of that. Like, you know, you you, you get yeah, like you say. Uh, I'm trying to like, trying to stumble through this as a white guy about <laughs> no, saying it wrong. Stumble. But I think, like, I, I imagine the kind of the the, the if, as you, your term, like the the yellow yellow races. If you yes. like. Um, if we
0: yes, exactly. If we're using the language of black, white, brown, right. I would go yellow because I like the term East Asian is also problematic because right. it's you're generalising and you have. Lots of brown people in East Asia. Thank you very much. Right. So, um, what are we actually saying? Right,
1: and so if you add that that, that to being a woman and mm-hmm. then representing, then you've you, like you say, you've got this real problem of being stereotyped and typecast into certain kinds of roles, which like aren't even necessarily like. It's not that those roles shouldn't exist. It's no. just it, w- why should you always be playing those roles? You know.
0: Yes, and also exactly it's not as if these stories shouldn't be told it's just that if these are the only stories if we only ever see a woman victim or a woman sex object race or no race it's just disempowering if we only ever see a black man uh, as a drug dealer you know the same logic applies and and you know
1: white men get to be everything and that's the (laughs) that's the real annoyingness of, of of kind of (sighs) the arts and everything he says as a a white man that (laughs) that, knows that I benefit from that but but,
0: you're aware and that's yeah
1: well that's as as good as you that's as good as it can get I guess like I can it's
0: well no you're aware and you and it so happens that you're generating material and so that's reaching other people I think it's unfortunate that I mean yes I'm a performance maker and so I can write about my experiences and things like that. I wish I didn't have to. Right. I wish I didn't feel responsible.
1: If people were writing good parts for 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 for, for people who look like you, then maybe you wouldn't need to. Or if there was,
0: uh, you know, it's not. It's just books that, that would sort of. Because I do it as well. We just assume that a character in a book is, like, white. Or, you know, like, we have all these assumptions, and I definitely do it. And so, I mean, I'm not a person for resolutions normally, but this year I've kind of said I'm going to read more women and writers of colour. Just because I do think it will shift my deep-rooted assumptions about what the world is like. And having studied anthropology, I know, like, there's so many ways of thinking about space and time and people and gender so it's just about embedding it in my sort of everyday life
1: well it can really change things in my experience i mm-hmm. mean i had a a year or so where i was i didn't do it with books and i've but i but i did it with music i only listened oh. to, to 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 women well I actually i had this rule where it was like i could only listen to women who were like singer songwriters like say saying things right okay. Who were or, and playing the instruments and like they were the ones who were creating it yeah. or i could listen to men who were kind of sex objects <laughs> 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 and that was kind of because i was Writing a character that I wanted uh, to have that kind I of thing. I
0: hope you listened to and Peter re- Andre.
1: <laughs> I don't think I did. I don't. I can't remember. I'm sure it was. It was hard to decide what what sex object meant from my like, because it's quite hard if you. Because I'm I'm straightish, yeah, and so like <laughs> it, it was like hard to decide what. Because I also didn't want to buy into this traditional idea of what a sex object is, and yes. I was also interested in what a sex object is if it's a masculine sex object. Yeah. So I, I think I ended up with like, yeah, more brooding than than, than Peter Andre, <laughs> <laughs> but mostly um, I listen to women, and and it, it has. I definitely think that since that time, uh-huh. my musical taste has. Been been much more representative of the world. Like I think up until that point, I listened to less women than men, but now I listen to around about equal. And I think that's yeah. interesting that it, it did have that change, even though it wasn't. You know, I, I I wasn't consciously doing it for political reasons. I was doing it as research for a thing I was writing, for okay. a novel I was writing. But but it did it has changed what, my way of of yeah. listening. And yeah. that, and I think and I know a lot of people are doing that it, this year. Uh, uh, this is the year they're going to read more. Uh, People of colour and and stuff, and that came out of stuff that was happening in December as well. Yes,
0: yes. Because it's shamefully, I I have avoided reading people of colour because, well, I'm a really picky reader anyway, and there's a certain kind of story which I don't, which I avoid because, yeah, a a lot of things I avoid because they remind me of things that I ought to be paying attention to. Um, So. So it's good that this is going to be difficult.
1: Yeah. Although, I mean, I guess maybe though, if, 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 like, if you avoid reading those things because they remind you of things that you should be paying attention to in your words, yeah. like it might also be that, that you you can't stop paying attention to those things yeah. So because of the, the nature of who you are and the world you're in.
0: Yeah. So you yes. don't want to be reminded of the it thing you were distressing. always thinking about. It right? is distressing. I mean, I don't know whether you listen to the Kin podcast. I've I mean, listened to some Yeah, episodes, where uh, the one where I was with Anna talking yeah, about how we forget that we're female and small and not white. And you kind of go, oh God, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and like um to be reminded is a distressing thing so my yeah. options are when i read distressing things you know what how do i take action and yes it usually involves taking action and that's tiring the whole thing of if you want things to change you need to to, to take action or be the educator and i don't like i don't like being an educator it feels that exactly comes back to I'm, why am I always talking about race and right, stuff? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I know how I feel when someone else is always talking about the same thing, or always through one lens. But maybe it, it is necessary. Yeah. I'm grateful to these annoying
1: people. <laughs> right. I mean that. Yeah. I mean it's it's yeah it's it's such a it seems to me such a complicated thing like like to not want to be reminded of, the, mm. of things but at the same time like i i mean i i i can relate to that even though i am a, a cis yeah. middle-class white man i guess that yeah. there are things that have shaped me that like you know the solo show i'm making about masculinity yes. is all about things that i don't want to think about and why should i be the one who has to talk about them and stuff like that but then you just make your decisions in life, and sometimes you sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't, and, yeah. and all of that stuff. Yeah. Which is not to say that 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 the things I've experienced are necessary on the same level as other people's or whatever. But
0: I'm just found out that I'm going to be writing an essay for uh, Nikesh Shukla's collection called "The Good Immigrant," and it's sort of I think about fifteen writers of color. People of color writing about our experience of being in the UK and why we're here and where else we could be if we're not wanted here, etc. So it's like a really great book, but immediately I am sort of racked with all these questions, you know, uh, the 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 problem of representing. An East Asian female perspective. What do I write? What what? Who's my who are my readers? Like, what do I need to explain before I can right. say what I want to say? Do I need to explain anything at all in terms of contextualizing? Yeah, it's sort of. And also, how yeah? How specific should I be? And I'm like, actually, I think, I think I need to be really specific because that's the value in it, right? Sort of, this is my experience, and these are the questions. But um, it's a bit terrifying to commit stuff to writing that's in a form more permanent than a blog or a tweet or a, a conversation because because we keep growing and developing and challenging our own ideas as time goes on, right? Yeah. So.
1: Well, that's a really exciting. <laughs> that's a really exciting book to be a part of. I mean, I, yeah. There's, there's some like so there's. A few, a few people who've been on, on this show before, actually, who, who were writing for that too. Oh, um uh, cool. Musa Rock Wonga, uh, Rennie uh, Ido Lodge have both been on this show. Oh, cool. And so I've been watching that project, like, you know, and just try oh, to support yeah. it as much yeah. as possible, although I haven't got any cash to give. I've, I've done a lot of promoting it as much <laughs> yeah, as I could. Yeah. And so that's really exciting that you're part of that too. I'm
0: super excited, and uh, I want to obviously write something that resonates and but is is still very me
1: yeah basically i mean i think that i i I think like the value of that book as well is going to be that because it's so many voices, mm-hmm. no one's actually got the full responsibility of representing. <laughs> yeah. Like, isn't that part of the point of it? To sell, to say multiple multiple narratives of immigration stories. And so yeah. then, then we can't have a single idea yeah. of what it is to be an immigrant. Yeah, Randomly,
0: this is incredible. Like, I think all the shifts in media are great. Like, um, there's this TV program called Sense8 on I Netflix. is Isn't it great? Because what it. you see is you see people who are other mm. in their own context. And then they swap contacts, yes. they move countries, and you go. Of course, they're human beings, like the rest of us. That's
1: one of my favourite shows of all time. It's like yeah. it's a game changer for me. Yeah, it, it takes a few episodes to get into it to yes. kind of like fully because there's so much going on. Yeah. But once like that was one of my favourite things I saw last year. Really, Absolutely,
0: really and you kind of go, it's. And yes, it's not just about race and nationality, but in terms of gender yeah. um, and sexuality, sexuality, because you have right. so many people who aren't, like, heterosexual. Exactly. Not, you don't have a single one character having to represent. So that's great. And you can explore, you explore so much more. I, yeah, really, yes, game changer, like you say.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I mean, this is around about the point in this show where I ask uh, my guests if they've got anything to plug. And I guess <laughs> we sort of like touched on a little bit of that in that you've got this, you've got that essay at some point. People yes. should look out for that. That's something that, that, yeah. that they should look out. I'm excited
0: about the book as a whole. Yeah, and I've started writing for on commission. That's great. So I don't know when it's going to be out, but I'm writing a short story for Toast Magazine. Oh,
1: cool. Yes, I like Toast as well.
0: That's really cool because I'm not. I'm not a fiction writer. So, I've started writing fiction because I like learning and challenging myself. So, that'll be really nice. And they've responded, the editor has responded well to pieces I've written for other publications. But yeah, I don't have any, I'm not making anything at the moment, but I would like to plug uh, Adrian in general. (laughs) Oh, God, yes. I want to plug his show.
1: His podcast?
0: No, well. Oh, God, yes, that as well. So I think page one is coming back, but muslings is Muselings still online. Is
1: so That's one yeah. of, that's such an amazing piece of work. As a podcaster, I've been so in awe of that show. I, and as a true I slightly
0: prefer page one. Do you? Because I like the format. I like that there's another person that you get to learn about sure. via
1: books and music. Well, we've both been guests on page one, so that, <laughs> that makes it infinitely cooler. Um,
0: <laughs> I like that opening up of the world via people and experiences so patreon is still my favorite cool but he's performing and this is very rare it's not something he's made but he's performing in a thing called oh god i don't know the title of the show but it's at the bac second to the sixth of february i think okay. and it's by clout theater and so his performance name is charles agent gillett and yes he very rarely performs as an actor. In this country, in this country, does stuff in other countries a lot. In in Germany and Austria and France and things, and so I'm super, I'm definitely going to that. So I'm plugging that.
1: Yes, well, (laughs) that's in February. I'll try and make sure this is out before that. That's always the problem. Oh, whoops, okay. No, 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 Um, no, it's I, I like to try and like. Make like so. If someone sometimes people plug something like way in the future, and I'm like, okay, I'll hold it back to them. Uh, but but, but yeah. if if something's current, then I'll I, I, I like to try and yeah. get it out for that. Yeah. But yeah, I'll I'll try and get it out for that. <laughs> but if if not, I'm sure if not. I'm sure Adrian won't mind too much if it's if it's retrospectively shout <laughs> if he's retrospectively shouted out.
0: I think he needs to be discovered by British theatre makers because he is just astounding. Mm-hmm. He combines physical specificity and lightness with uh, the aptitude for textual delivery, and you kind of go, that's so rare.
1: I mean, but who's, I don't know who's going to discover him first though, because I mean, as well, Mm -hmm. like he's, a lot of his stuff is character comedy or like around character comedy. I mean, I don't think Samantha Mann is purely comedy, but it, but, Mm -hmm. but, but people like, like, it can easily be put in that box. Yeah,
0: Samantha Mann should definitely be on television that's like one thing but as an actor he's also really really good yeah so he does you know that kind of acting in europe and
1: oh yeah he's i'm not not i'm not i'm not reducing him just to samantha yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) so it's sort of like yeah samantha needs to be on tv for sure
1: well so i i interviewed samantha at the Edinburgh festival last year it was a lot of fun yes um so, yeah, I mean, it's been a real pleasure getting better at the interview. I can see you, like, lo- looking worried about, like... How, have d- we how covered to everything that you have. wanted? We have. I think it's been a really great conversation. Cool. I mean, uh, you know, I, I... We
0: haven't talked about sex. We, have, we <laughs> haven't
1: talked about sex, we can talk about sex. I mean, i are happy to talk about sex.
0: Oh, I don't know. No, what? <laughs> Where do we start? Yeah, it, it's, no, a, hard it's, it's start. a hard one to start. It's a hard one to start.
1: No pun intended.
0: Basically sex positivity I'm interested in shame I want to know where shame starts
1: yeah somewhere in my childhood
0: (laughs) yes a lot of uh, perform uh, theater makers have started doing R&D on shows about sex and there was a woman who said she lived in a very liberal household she could dress up like a boy Uh, it was fine so in terms of gender they were absolutely fine but then as a child she knew already that sex was a bad thing and you kind of go, gosh, how do we... Where are the messages coming from? Because I grew up in a super, uh, you know, just don't talk about it kind of thing. Because, you know, Asia and all that kind of thing. So I'm not without inhibitions, but I'm really interested in getting over them.
1: Well, I mean, I grew up in a family, in theory, that was quite sex positive. But I still managed to imbibe shame and and, and, and self-loathing and stuff <laughs> and like you, that.
0: Can you work out where that came from like from peers yeah it, or? yeah no
1: well it it comes from the it comes from the family to a certain extent just not in the literal way they didn't make me feel shame about my sexuality as such but it it crept in through the other traumas that were going on in the family home and like actually some of that definitely I can link like like when I was around the age when I invented masturbation (laughs) I invented it right I went into school to tell everyone it was embarrassing (laughs) but around about when I discovered masturbation in the in the room next door my my mum and my stepdad were shouting and screaming And, and so like for me my sexuality kind of got tied to blocking out, like, yeah. sadness. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that's part of it. And then when I went to secondary school, yeah, loads of shame came through being considered ugly and other. And like So mm. I, I was quite, like, I know I'm... I, it's a weird word to use for someone who looks like me to say I was othered no, no, at school, no. but I was. Anyone could be um, That's yeah, exactly, and and I'm proof of that. In the, yeah. I was kind of given a, a nickname, and uh, yes. that that was what I was called everywhere I went, like in the yeah. whole by by everyone in the school. Yeah. So that 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 give a, I got a lot of shame from that, definitely. Yeah. And also, you know, classically, when I was, my my mum my mum told me when I was. Thirteen years old. This, I do this in my show all the time, but <laughs> that the all men are bad, mm. and that the, the, the men can only hurt women and can only do terrible that's things. A
0: terrible thing. right?
1: Terrible time to hear that, too. Yeah. Like okay. five years later, I might have had more perspective, but yeah. at, at thirteen, I went right. Okay, she must be right. She's crying and sad and, ang- and angry. Yeah. I must be wrong, and that's that's where the shame starts. I'm sure right, my
0: you know? I'm, well, my mom definitely <laughs> told me about men being not. Not in the same way, but yeah, it's sort of negative things about men
1: But well. that's, yeah, it's different if you're a man, though, I think, when you're told that information. Yeah. It's quite good information in some ways for a woman to be told. No, keep... well,
0: I'm wondering, how, I haven't worked out whether it influenced my relationships with men yet, but I've only just remembered that yeah. she's told me stuff, but Yeah. But I'll, yeah, yeah. So sure I shall think but about that. it's interesting, that what,
1: well, the way I think of it is mm. I was I, I was never really taught about consent or desire. That's mm-hmm. how I phrase it in my show. Like how many either people of those are things. And in a, this a, country particularly. And both of those things okay. are so important. Yeah. Like often people like focus on consent, which is very, very important, yeah. don't get me wrong. Yeah. But unless we can articulate our desires, yeah. how can we obtain consent in yeah. a way like with somebody else? Like that's more I, like, like, I think oh,
0: we, so, I'm so, so interested was, in that. There yeah. was this
1: article I shared recently on Facebook and I think, I think I, you also shared it. I love the yeah.
0: article. I shared it. And then someone has said, thank you so much for posting that. Right. And I've, I haven't read an article like that no, me about neither. desire.
1: And cuz I can't cuz I can't really the, mm. I I can talk about sex. I can talk about sex for ages. Yes. But if you ask me in a in a, in the context of if we were going to have sex, yes. it would it, of what I want and what I am into. I can't answer that question. I find it so hard. I've been trying to work on that for a few years. So I'm yeah. probably better than better than I was a few years ago, but I'm I really don't know how to like Why I just feel like I want to I want to answer that <laughs> question, but I don't I don't know I don't know how to to do that. Yeah, hmm. I mean, my stuff comes from feeling ugly. I think that's a lot of where my shame and stuff comes from.
0: Yeah, I think hard. our relation I, uh, our relationship with our bodies is, yeah, like why is touching my hand different than touching my boob? Right i said boob <laughs> because i wanted <laughs> to like make it an easier thing to talk about like sh- sh- like the right word is breast right like in that second i changed it and like oh why did i do that I'm not even calling it by its proper name but like i remember when i was doing a performance workshop with stacy mckishy and like part of a warm-up is like you rub your body rub your breast. Uh, breasts and everyone goes, ooh. But then when you do it, you're like, it's just a body part. Right. Just do it. And it's like, it's nice because it's like, you're just, your whole body needs to be warmed up. And uh, like the show I'm doing now, I think people just do just avoid their genitals. <laughs> I'm like, well, because we don't have that relationship with, we just think it's, I don't know, dirty or shameful. or, And then I think from then, if we can't even touch our bits, like, I don't right know how, how are we supposed to touch other yeah. people's
1: yeah I, I agree with that, and it 's also like i don 't know i don't know what it's like and it, and it's like many things because there's no universal womanhood no more than there's any universal manhood, but yeah. I feel like men are so often I am at least I am very mm-hmm. disconnected from my physical body from my from from, from so I feel like women are objectified, mm-hmm. but I feel like men are less like less often objectified like i'm not i don't feel like i've been that my physical body is i don't know like like I, i'm much more comfortable with my mind than my body right. right and that my i feel like i i don't even feel like i'm a physical presence in the world so i know i'm a clumsy presence <laughs> and I, I know i have a physical effect but okay. i don't feel like yeah i'm so uninterrupted not in what touch with my body you with so
0: my... you want to be in touch with your body
1: yeah i think that would be what pretty cool would...
0: Have you done anything? Yeah,
1: I've been in touch with my body at times for sure, and yeah. I think that it's a it's a with these things like it's always tempting to think that you do the work and then you've solved it. Yeah, and then but I what I find is I do the work, I solve it. A few years go by and I'm having to do the work again because yeah. I've lost what I've learned. But yeah, no, I have I've done various different kinds of work on myself and try different approaches to uh, getting in touch with my body, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Some of which are out there on the internet (laughs) for people to listen to.
0: It is really interesting because I I suppose, again, my my training is quite physical, possibly more than the average English actor. I do lots and lots of physical stuff, but not as much as Asian, for example. But yeah, I'm hyper aware of my body. And um, I like that. I think it's... uh, such fun but then it's sort of then you know but then I go oh that doesn't feel right oh that doesn't feel right like just in normal life not even in sex yeah. Like, oh god ache this aches and that's a bit tight and I'm like oh. then um it's it's yeah I I don't want to be weird about my body because I'm so aware of it <laughs> but right yeah it is a lot to do with ro- spending hours rolling around and stretching and jumping. And...
1: But it's funny, I mean, I did a year of dance at university mm. and that did change my relationship with my body. Yes. I, I definitely felt like at the end of that I was much more in touch with my body and understood yes. stuff about it more. But, you know...
0: Dance is very specific still though, yeah, well, like, because it's still but structure. it was release, yeah, technique. okay, cool. Yeah. So
1: there was a little bit more like unstructuredness oh, within cool. it, Good. but because uh, it was, you know, it was it was a very unstructured kind of <laughs> performance that my, my my university was into. Oh, super. Um But yeah, like, but I think even then, like, I feel like there's stuff I need to do to do with my body. There's stuff to do with my mind, and I just think humans change all the time as yeah. well. So like, whatever conclusions and epiphanies and decisions and realizations we have you know we will just be in a bad mood a couple of days later and it will we'll have a very different relationship to everything
0: yes exactly i had a bad day yesterday and i was just like just write it off i am just feeling a bit off it'll be fine tomorrow
1: yeah <laughs> and that's true right yes. it's very hard to to yeah. realize at the time in the moment when you're. Yeah, especially if you
0: need to get things done right
1: <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So well, we so we we added the extra topic of sex <laughs> just at the end. Just please. We've definitely me. covered a little bit of sex in the conversation. Yeah. And yeah, the last thing that I ask my guests mm-hmm. to do is to say goodbye to the audience.
0: How <laughs> do you say goodbye to the audience? Oh. It
1: changes things, doesn't it? That moment, <laughs> because it's like they're there, and we've, we've we've forgotten, thankfully. And then, yeah.
0: Well, I can't say, oh, well, well, thank you for listening to the end. <laughs> and maybe I'll get to meet some of the audience in the flesh or digitally. Yeah, cool. Thank Then thank you for having me
1: on well, the podcast. thank you for having me into your house as well, yeah, you know, into yes. your flat. You can
0: know us about. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go to yours to know us about and I was like, I don't have time. <laughs> I'd to, like to do it another time
1: so I got to know about Instagram. instead <laughs> well goodbye everybody
0: goodbye <laughs>
1: So, unfortunately, due to a lot of people having things to plug in the last month, I didn't manage to put this out in time to promote Adrian's show. Also, the solo show, which makes up a lot of what I talked about in today's conversation, is now available as a podcast. You can hear the whole show from beginning to end on the Stand Up Tragedy podcast as part of the Stand Up Tragedy Presents season. You can find that through Stand Up Tragedy on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or anywhere that you go to find podcasts. The show is called What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity and I'd really like to invite you to have a listen to it. It's not always easy, there are some laughs, but there's also a lot of very serious and painful stuff, but it's uplifting at the end. If you're a man, I wrote this for you. It's addressed to men, myself included. And I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a listen and share it with other men and get them to listen to it. If you're not a man, that's okay. It is a show which all genders can get something out of. It's about masculinity. It's about patriarchy. It's about my complicated relationship with being a man. And hopefully you can get something from it. At some point soon, I'll get around to embedding it on the website for the show, which is www.mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk. But please spread the word and share that show. I really believe in it. And the responses of men who I've done it for suggest to me that it has something that resonates with a lot of men's experience. And it's really important that men start looking at how we're constructed what position we're placed in within the world both for our own liberation but also for the liberation of others so i do hope you give it a listen you can donate to that show on its website you can also donate to getting better acquainted at www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk you can follow getting better acquainted on twitter at gba podcast you can like getting better acquainted on facebook and you can follow me on twitter i'm at Goose Fat 101 and remember there are lots of ways to get better acquainted.